Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer, find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend, you shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts, check in to log your purchase, and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show. It's Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino closing out the year. Is that what we're doing or we got another one of these? I'm all messed up. Yes, that's it. We're done. We're done. That's That's it. This is our, I think, our 47th show this year. How about that for some consistency? Uh, 47. Really? We did 47 shows this year, huh? We did 47 shows. That means we missed a grand total of five weeks. We've been in your face just about every week this season, and we're going to close this thing out with, as always, some NFL and college football talk. Much to talk about. We're heading into the NFL playoffs. College Bowls are in full action, and the meaty, the good stuff in the college bowl season is coming up right about now. So Emil and I are going to talk to you about that and more over the next 45 minutes to an hour here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Before we jump into the topics and the picks, we want you to go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever you're listening to us on right now, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Anchor, or whatever tool you are using. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on the next great show. We'd hate for you to do that so you can be notified when we put out some more uh, great and interesting content like this one right here. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find Emil on Facebook, E-M-I-L-C-A-L-O-M-I-N-O. And he'll talk to you about the world of politics, finance, sports. What else, man? Anything they want. Nature. We'll talk about, any, we'll talk about food if you like. I mean, I'm Italian. Yeah, we all like to eat. So you can find him there on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Gridiron Studs. Plenty to say, plenty to do, pumping out content all the time because that's what I do. I'm a digital creator. You are a digital creator. You pump out a lot of content and a lot of it's good. I like it. Thank you. Striving to be an influencer at some point. I heard it pays well um, and it gives you an You might be missing some of the assets you need to do that. Well, yes. Um, I'll find a blonde (laughs) wig somewhere around here and see where I can go with that. All right. Um... Outside of that, it is, like I said, a hyper time of year. College basketball, NBA, NHL, college bowl, NFL, a lot to get down on the action on. And if you are so inclined, then you should check out our sponsor, Bovada Sportsbook. Been around for quite some time. They have outlasted many of the others that have jumped into this business and have done so with great customer service, great bonuses, awesome lines. Everything that you need in a sports book, check them out. Hit the link in the description for the show to reach Bovada Sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. All right, Emil, let's get into it. It's that NFL time of year. By the way, man, what a treat 
uh, what a Christmas gift for me there, delivered by my son, Marco Wilson, playing on Christmas Day for the Arizona Cardinals. It's been a dreadful season for the team, but uh, Marco blessed us and all of his family in attendance by having a great game against the GOAT, Tom Brady. Yeah, two picks of... By the way, did he bring one of those balls over and have Both, a great autograph? Friend, they are secured, and in his residence, um, he had the presence of mind and all of the uh, hoopla of what was going on to grab a hold of those bad boys and keep them with him. So they, but the, did he have the goat autograph him? Did he? Ask no, him? I mean, there's. I don't know about the tact in that. And, you know, Marco's. Well, he won. I mean, Brady won. Maybe he'd be in a good mood. I get it. You know, they did meet up afterwards at midfield um, and and they talked and Brady told him, you know, it was a great catch and he was congratulatory. You know, Tom is one way when he wins and another way when he loses. But, um, you know, Marco thought better of having him sign it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Is that three firm this year that he got three picks or four? Yeah, no, that is three on the season. You know, he he narrowly missed a third one in the end zone in that game. Um, that would have been that would have been out of this world. But yeah, off off his fingertips. And then his team proceeded to give the game away. Yes, he you know got injured. He's been having an issue with his neck and shoulder um, for you know the last five or six weeks here, and so he landed on his shoulder, and Stinger put him out for the majority of the fourth quarter. Um, and you know what? This is kind of how the Bucks have played this year. They will dilly dally around, if I could use that word, and then pull things out in the end. They seem to be really good in those situations. Well, and they've done it against bad teams. I mean, they had that game. They did it against the Rams. The Rams are five and ten. They did it against the Cardinals. They're four and eleven. And who was the other one? He had that comeback a few weeks ago. Was it the Saints? I'm trying to think. Anyway. He- yeah, I might. I don't know, but I mean, my, my point is, he pulls. He's been pulling these games out against some some bad teams. Um, I, I just thought that you know, I watched that game, and I don't want to turn this into a, a an entire Cardinal discussion. But since you brought it up, I don't know how the Cardinals are that bad on defense this year. I mean, they've given up three hundred ninety one points, and and their personnel doesn't indicate they should give up. Have given up that the amount of points they did. Well, uh, if you look just strictly at numbers, you would get that impression. If you've watched the games, and obviously I've watched every minute of the games, um, then you would understand that they're closer to what it is you think they should be than, you know, what the numbers say that they are. They've been, it's been a dreadful year offensively for the Cardinals. So there isn't a lot yeah. of help there. There's a lot of good field position. Um, there's a, at times, Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, has to play things. A certain kind of way and just to you know kind of educate some of the fans that are listening to this when you have an offense that's really really struggling you have to be careful about how many chances you take defensively because you know you give up a big play an easy touchdown you don't feel certain that you can get those points back and so you will tend to play a little bit looser at times hoping that the offense the other team makes a mistake that you can capitalize on um, and then give the ball back to your to to your team, and hopefully they can do something, at least get three points out of it. But when they aren't scoring like that, you're really, you know, you're hesitant to give up big plays, 60, 70-yard touchdowns, and that's what happens when you take chances because you can get down 14 nothing, and then, you know, you're kind, the game's already over. And Yeah, I mean, I'm watching uh, this game, and obviously I don't watch – I watch Cardinal games when they're on nationally, and there's been a couple this year, the one against the Saints. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, they have a really stud player at every level. You know, they have J.J. Watt, who's still playing at a high level. 
You have Isaiah Simmons, who's an absolute freak. Uh, you know, Murphy and your son, uh, Baker at, you know, safety. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking all over and I'm seeing guys and I'm like, how is, you know, this team not better? <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, you know, whole team thing. They, they would do well though, to get some edge rushers, um, so that they can. Well, right. They let Chandler Jones go in the off season. Yeah. You couldn't again, pay Chandler Jones the amount of money he was asking for. So no. And that. we talked about that. He had all his sacks basically in one game last year. Yeah. Um, and he was held in check for most of the time after that. And then he's getting up there in age. So it was a you know a hard decision to make, but not really. So that was the deal. Emil, before we jump into our topics here and our questions that we need to ask each other and our fan base out there listening to the show, we are getting closer, Emil, to my evil plan coming together. You remember what I said at the beginning of the year about who would be in the Super Bowl? And uh, you know, I had the Bills, as I think we both did, on the AFC side. But on the NFC side, I said the Green Bay Packers. And though it's gone a little bit more left than I thought it would be, that it, I thought it would, Green Bay's season is kind of unfolding how I thought it would. Not very good in the beginning and have to come on in the end and grab a wild card. I didn't have them winning the uh, the North, but getting into the playoffs and and doing damage there we're coming close to that if i'm if there's something i want to pat myself on the back yeah i mean you did i I mean i have to say i'm not i'm still not sure they're that team they're warming up you know i mean they're three game winning let's let's be honest they're three game winning streak to get them back into the the playoff race and hey they make it that's all that matters but they beat the bears okay Mm -hmm. they beat the rams okay Mm -hmm. And the win against the Dolphins, a decent win. But let's be honest, the Dolphins are doing what the Dolphins have tended to do for the last 30 years. I mean, the wheels are just coming off in Miami. I don't know. It's a road win. On I know. Listen, hey, listen, a road win's a road hey, win. Hey, a win is a win in this yeah. league. We know that. But no, I know that. I, my I, evil plan <laughs> is coming together. It is coming. And they have, well, the, listen, there's probably going to be a playoff spot on the line the last week of the season against the Lions, which should make that game interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Uh, you know, because the Lions have played good ball until last week. Uh, I don't know what they did in that game. I didn't they're see the game. To a, I just, they're entitled to a booger, you know, you know. Well, I mean, I think Carolina had 300 yards running the ball. I was wa- wondering if Barry Switzer in Oklahoma from the 70s showed up. Well, simultaneously, almost with the Lions getting their act together and playing better, has been the Carolina Panthers, who are still in the playoff race. So, um, I think we'll be touching on that when we get into our picks discussion coming up in just a minute. But you had uh, there's stuff going on in the NFL, Emil, and there's some questions that need to be asked. Yeah. So my first question, I guess, and I, I would think people listening to the show would, would are asking the same question or thinking about it in some way, shape or form. Um, are the in your opinion, are the Raiders right at this point moving on from Derek Carr? I mean, what I'm I'm saying is, what's your plan? I mean, the Raiders are six and nine. I think if I have their record correct, that's probably yeah. not going to get you high enough. Looking at some of these other records to to get a franchise quarterback, maybe it will. Or or who is that guy? I guess my question is, is Derek Carr really the problem there? What do you think, Emil? Uh, it just hasn't worked there. Um, not not to the level that I think the Raider fans. Uh, front office and anyone else who matters to the Raiders organization would like, um, whatever the case may be, whether it's Carr, whether it's the team, whether it's the front office, whatever. Carr in a Raiders uniform is not working. So uh, I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think they're right in making this move. Uh, 
you know, they may not get a franchise quarterback based on their record, but depending on what they could get from a trade, they may find themselves in a proper position to get the kind of guy that they would like. And so let's just start over with someone else. And when that other person doesn't work out, you can start figuring out what's the real problem in Las Vegas. I don't, right, right. I mean, I don't know what it is, though, Emil. It might be Carr. You know, I I watched some film earlier this year of him, and he just didn't seem comfortable in in that offense. And you know, I I don't I don't think McDaniel's is going anywhere. So get the guy you want, head coach, um, and try to make it work that way. I guess my question is what what. I'm all right with trading him personally, depending on what the return is. If, if I'm making any sense there, in other words, I think like, you got to move on though. So whatever you get back is what you get back. Yeah, don't get fleeced, but I think it's time to move on. I mean, the man broke down and cried in a press conference earlier this year. You know, um, he's left the team, so that would indicate that he doesn't agree with the decision. No, no, well, I think he's left because basically they don't want him to play for the simple reason they don't want him to get hurt. They want it, you know, you don't want a guy to leave the team, like take a leave of absence from the team. No, yeah, I don't know what that's all about. I mean, it must, yeah, that would indicate he maybe felt like he should be a Raider, but you know what? If I'm speaking to Derek Carr, you're better off going somewhere else. So, Emil, where would be the where would you like to see him? Where do you think he would flourish? Well, I mean, it, I don't flourish, but it depends. This team seems to be in the perpetual mode of trying to band aid the quarterback position. So, you got to think the Colts will, will kick the tires there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I I mean, I, I'm trying to think of other teams here. I mean, the Patriots, maybe? To if, me, if, that would be the number one spot. Yeah, I mean, if the Patriots are done with Mac Jones, which is probably... Not the Patriots, the Colts. The Colts would be the number one spot. Yeah. What do you think about the Patriots, though? I mean, Mac Jones doesn't seem to be the answer there. If I'm Derek Carr, I don't want anything to do with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, that seems like, from an offensive standpoint more of a holy mess than where you're coming from with dual uh, offensive coordinators and both having never really spent any um, meaningful time on that side of the ball. So, and yeah. you know, I know you're going to probably be more reluctant than me on this opinion, but how about the Jets? I know you like Mike White and you have some personal ties there, but you know, there's probably a reason he's not a starter in this league. I mean, he, he seems to have maybe found a niche for himself as a high-end backup. I'm not sure, you know, if maybe the Jets don't think, hey, we can upgrade this position. I mean, perhaps, Emil, I just, you know, for nothing else other than I don't think, I don't know if the Jets would are ever going to really give Mike White the job. It would be nice if they did. But before I think the Jets, man, I would probably say Tennessee. Tennessee's definitely somebody that could, you know, oh, I guess what, what we're finding real quick as you and I do this exercise there's a lot of quarterback needy teams in this league. I mean, there's also well. How about um, the Commanders? I mean, obviously they're just going back and forth between a, a couple band aids. They don't really, I think either guy's their answer. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be on the list. You know, I'm sure they'll be on the list of of, of places that would be interested in Derek Carr, whether or not he's interested in them. I mean, in some ways, Tampa Bay, because I don't really see Brady staying there. Uh, that too. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of him. Because I think Brady either area. retires or forces his way out of there. He goes someplace else. Could be the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, so, could, def- could definitely be the Raiders. I just think that I would think that probably the number one spot for Carr and for the team um, would be the Colts. 
because it's yeah. just what they do. And, and it got, seems like that's the way the Colts are going to play this. I mean, it, they, they just don't. they suck enough to get a franchise guy. I think that's what they're going to do. And Derek Carr's a little younger than what they've picked up in years past. So, you know, they can get two or three years, maybe more. Out yeah, of I think the Colts may go, you know, because they're going to be a top five pick most likely, get a franchise guy. But since this isn't the strongest quarterback class from what people are saying, they may hedge their bets and say, well, hey, we'll bring this guy in on, on, a, on a deal that we can get out of in a year or two. Let him be like a caretaker as we develop this franchise guy. Poor Derek Carr. Well, from one struggling quarterback to another, someone was given their walking papers this week in the NFL and it was Nathaniel Hackett. So I've got to ask you, Emil, um, you know, Russell Wilson's been all over social media this season. So observing things as much as you've been able to this year, who's the bigger problem in Denver, Nathaniel Hackett or Russell Wilson? Well, I mean, to me, when you look at the money committed to Wilson, you know, they didn't get the guy they thought they were getting, right? At least not this year, okay? He's 34 years old at this point in his career. Uh, this year, he has 12 touchdowns, nine picks. That's not what they thought they were signing up for. And before anybody points to weapons or anything else, nobody said he didn't have – when the year started, nobody thought Denver was deficient with weapons, did they? No. I, that was not the big talk. No. So, I mean, I'm looking at this saying without having watched Nathaniel Hackett coach 15 games where I could say – where I could nitpick clock management or game you know, management, I got to think – you put this on Wilson. I mean, you you paid two hundred. What is it? Two hundred and thirty-eight million over five years. You thought you were getting a a, a franchise-changing quarterback, and that may have been bad scouting on Denver's part. But I, I put it on him. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you there. I mean, the fact that he got two hundred thirty-nine million dollars didn't change his spiral. Um, didn't change his ability to read defenses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and advanced tend to do that not to call you the common fan you're definitely above that it's just they want to attach a guy's performance to the to the paycheck and it doesn't really necessarily affect the on the field what i noticed amal and i tend to do this i'm going to look at resumes and nathaniel hackett doesn't have a big one in the nfl um you know yes he was a part of a green bay packers team that did some things but he wasn't necessarily in charge of anything i mean russell wilson was in basically in charge of a team, a good team. Um, and a lot of people want to give all the credit to the defense, but I would implore anyone that's on the, you know, Russell Wilson's dead train to go look at Russell Wilson's numbers in the years when they were going to Super Bowls um, and understand that he played a really big part in what happened there too. I know we love the Legion of Boom and Richard Sherman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Russ did his thing on that side of the ball too, often without really um, big time weapons. So he's been He's won a Super Bowl, really should have won two Super Bowls, save a, you know, a silly play call at the end um, and may have been an NFL MVP, if I'm not mistaken, and has certainly put up really great numbers in this league. And so uh, when I look at that versus Nathaniel Hackett, I'm going to lean more to the problem being Hackett and an inexperienced hire, a first time brand new head coach that just you know, couldn't get things together fast enough. Uh, the other thing, too, is I've watched some of the games. We all remember the decisions that were made in the opener against Seattle. Uh, people rode the the decisions and the clock management so hard there that it just he started underwater. First of all, there was a tremendous amount of offseason hype, which I absolutely hate. 
cannot stand it, especially well, when it- I think we both picked, if I go back to our picks in week one, we both picked against Denver, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, you couldn't. You couldn't not pick against them. They gave them this huge line on the road and with a brand new head coach and a brand new quarterback against a team that's going to be motivated against you. We It would have been handicapping malpractice. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there was so much offseason hype. And um, again, I can't stand that for teams that are just now putting pieces together. I, it's just never worked I, I out. I mean, I guess what I want to say is this. Do I think you can still win with Russell Wilson? Yes, I do. I just don't think he's he's going to revert to the form of the Super Bowl years all of a sudden with the coaching change or anything. I think, I think he's got to be a piece of it. He can't be the driving force. And that may may require him, in my opinion, to be more open to an offense that's maybe a little more run-oriented like Pete Carroll wanted to do? I think you're one of two things, uh, Emil. Um, You're either going to put Russell Wilson in the kind of offense that the Dolphins are running, Mm -hmm. or you're going to put Russell Wilson in um, an offense maybe like what the Rams are running with Baker Mayfield. So what you do with six-foot quarterbacks. You know, you go the route of Drew right, but Brees. don't you think running has to be a part of it because it opens play action for him, and I think play action with a guy like him is helpful. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't necessarily. I'm not going to agree or disagree with that. Yes, running um, could be like I said. You could run what the Dolphins are running. You could run the San Francisco offense um, where there's a you know it there's heavy run with a fullback, and you work play action off of that, or you can go all out and have receivers everywhere, spread out the field. And if the reads aren't there, if they're dropping guys in coverage, then Russ can take off and run if he wants to do that because he still has the ability to do that. Um, but I just don't think you can be in between that. And I think that's what this offense was this year. It was it was balanced, and Russ is not a balanced offense kind of quarterback. He's not that. That's for the six foot three guys mm-hmm. um, that can be pure pocket passers. And that's not that's not what you're going to get with your six foot guy. You're going to run either the Drew Brees thing, or you're going to run the Jimmy Garoppolo thing with guys that size. Yeah, uh, you know, there's just no in between. And, and f- unfortunately, that's what Nathaniel Hackett came to town with. He came to town with an offense designed for Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson is a different quarterback. He's not. Yeah, and I think I think they've got to well, obviously, given the commitment financially, you know, the, I I think the coaching hire has to center around getting the most out of this guy, you know, because, you know, that's going to be everything. you got that. The brass for the Broncos is going to have to do a deep dive on what it is. I just spoke about what is going to be the absolute best system for this guy that we purchased essentially uh, to run. And it can't be about really anything else other than that, (laughs) which sounds crazy because there's a lot to being a head coach, but in the interim here, you're going to have to get the most out of Russell Wilson. So hopefully that guy that you get that comes in and runs the offense that you think is best suited for Russell Wilson is also good at the other things, which is managing staff, motivating players, and just bringing a general high energy to, you know, to the organization, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, of course, doesn't get a DUI or any other nonsense. Right, you. right. So that's the deal there. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I, I see your point there. So let me, let me hit you with one here. Um, and for context, this is where this is this question's coming from, right? So you sit here, you pull up the NFL standings, you know, you got basically 
seven teams between 13 and two and 11 and four, and probably six of them I consider having the pieces necessary to win the Super Bowl. I don't put the Vikings in that class. I mean, they're 11 and 0 in one score games. They have a five point point differential for the season. They've been fortunate, you know, and kind of, you know, you know, they they're well coached in those situations. I think that'll bite them at some point. But when I look at the teams that are strong, you know, you got the Bills, the Eagles, 49ers, and the Cowboys have the biggest point differential. So I guess my question to you is, what does Mike, well, number one, is Mike McCarthy in trouble, I guess is the real question, if he doesn't get the Cowboys to a certain point this season in the playoffs? And if so, what is that point? Or do you just feel he's safe and he's there no matter what happens? I mean, he probably is since he coached the Dallas Cowboys and people care a lot about the Cowboys and what they're doing. Everyone's always in their business. And so there are a lot of eyeballs on the Dallas Cowboys, and it probably at times leads to maybe some irrational decisions because, again, everyone's talking about it. It's like when two celebrity um, actors and actresses get together and get married. You know, they could probably otherwise in a normal life work through some of the differences that they're having. But when those differences are quite public, um, you know, it's difficult for them to stay together. Everything gets exacerbated. Everything is magnified. And so what was probably a medium to small size problem is a large problem. And that's the problem for the Cowboys. So not getting out of the first round is a huge deal for the Dallas Cowboys. Do I think that should be the case? Absolutely not. You had a winning season. You got to the playoffs. Weren't the Cowboys absent from the playoffs for quite some time? Am I mistaken on that? How long was the drought? I know you. Know. Uh, no, they they well they made it in 2018, and then Garrett had his his year. He got fired in 2019 when the Cowboys were like in the top three in point differential, and somehow went eight and eight because he had all those. So the big problem was not having a a a playoff win since like the Aikman. Yeah, they they won they won a game in 2018 in the playoffs, and then. They missed in 19 and 20, and then McCarthy got him back last year. So, so you think – I don't think that should be a part of the equation. Get into the okay. playoffs. If you win that first playoff game, great. If not, hey, let's just see what other improvements we can make moving forward. I think the Cowboys are a better team this year than they were last year, so you're going to have to credit McCarthy for that. I've seen him pull back on some things and kind of uh, delegate things to other other staff and kind of pull back some where he had more of a heavy hand in Green Bay. So the man's actually trying to do his job to the best of his ability. And the Cowboys are a good team. The NFC is tougher than people want to give it credit for this year. You have Minnesota. Whatever you think about it, they find a way to win ball games. Yeah, yeah, no, you have, well, you have three good, you know, you have Minnesota. Yeah, the, Eagles, you have the, the Eagles are, you know, yeah. uh, what the Eagles are, that what the record is showing, and then I think the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the entire league currently at the moment. Not to mention you've got a couple pesky teams out there like Washington and Carolina and et cetera, et cetera. So do they need to win a playoff game? It'd be nice, but if he lost. Okay, so that's your that's your yeah. feeling. What do you think? I mean, Sean Payton's lurking out there, right? I mean. We're not going to do the Sean Payton thing with the Cowboys, are we? It's not necessary. Um, I'm asking you, will the, I'm not I'm not saying what would you do. You, you, you they, made it clear. I don't think so. I think. If anything, and you're obviously more qualified to speak on this than I am as a lo a longtime loyal fan um, from the Robert Newhouse days. Um, <laughs> right. True. I have I it, what seems to me is like Jerry Jones has shown more patience than less patience when it has come to coaches in his career as the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. 
Well, so, Jerry Jones is, is as far as we know, he looks like to be in great health for an 80 year old, but he's an 80 year old guy that wants to win. And here's my thing. I think if McCarthy wins a playoff game, he's fine. Um, but because of the fact that that's uh, that AFC South or NFC South stinks and the AFC South does for, for that matter, but, um, uh, they're going to play the champion of the NFC South, whether that be the Bucks, the Panthers, the Saints, whomever. I don't think he can lose that game. He's got to win that game. I think if he loses that game, Jerry's going to look and say, where am I going? I mean, if I can't have my coach win that game this year against that team, you know, maybe oh, I, you know. The Amo, you know, I hate to say this. They could very well lose a road game to Tampa Bay. Right? I didn't say they couldn't. I'm no, I, I, I'm just saying that they very yeah. well could. Sure, they could, especially and when I, you see what happened in Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago. And that's and I think if 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 they're in that position, then I think McCarthy is in trouble. If he wins that game and then goes in the next round, and whomever beats him on the road, if that's, yeah, that's the case, tough, that's a tough position to be in. That's just my feeling. I think I think I'm going to lie to you. You know, like Carolina here has won three of their last four games. No, they play. Listen, I'm not saying I agree 100 percent with you. It's the NFL. Those games are difficult. I'm just telling you my gut feeling with Sean Payton out there. We know Sean Payton still lives in Dallas, gets along. He knows how to navigate Jerry Jones. He's worked for him as a coordinator. He knows the man. If there's one guy Jerry would feel like he could seamlessly just insert him, and I think Peyton is the is a is a guy who'd be comfortable working with Jones. Not all people are, as we know. That's why I think he needs to win that game. In I, your I, mind, in your mind, uh, if he could go wherever he wanted to go, um, out of the places that could seemingly possibly come open. Do you think the Cowboys would be the number one destination for Sean Payton over maybe an Arizona or LA Chargers? Yes, because the pieces are essentially he's got the pieces in place. He's not stupid. He has a quarterback that he thinks he can you probably think he loves win. Dak Prescott like that? Pardon me? You think he would love Dak Prescott like that? I think he I think he's smart enough to know he can win with Dak Prescott. And I think if you if you look around that team, you know, they've drafted incredibly well. They they always have if you look at some of the rookies like Bland, Bland's a fifth round pick from Fresno State. The kid has five picks. Okay, they always have a guy like that. Williams, the defensive end from Mississippi, they got in the car accidents, having a good year. Dallas drafts well. They have young talent. Um, you know, their cap's not a disaster now. I, I think he, he's smart enough to understand. Like Sean Payton's not getting back in this, I don't think, to 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 do some four year rebuild. No, but then I'm also wondering, really, um, what's at the heart of the mind of Sean Payton? Do you want to take on a Justin Herbert where there'd be tremendous pressure um, for you to perform with a prototype quarterback like that? Or is it a better experience for you if you grab a guy who people have questions about, like a Dak Prescott or a Kyla Murray? Well, yeah. sure. And I think, well, I think there's two things, right? I'm trying to put myself in his in his. Uh, shoes he's already won a super bowl and let's be honest all athletes and coaches have egos that doesn't make them bad people we all have egos to some extent but they have big egos and what's better for a coach than being a conquering hero you know i mean he he, he like i said all the things i said previously about who he knows there and, and the relationships you restore the Dallas Cowboys to the top of the football mountain you you know you're you're a hero they put a statue there for you 
especially mm-hmm. if the owner likes you. I mean, Jimmy Johnson should have a statue there, but him and the owner had a little bit of a problem. Okay, but Sean Payton have a statue somewhere in front of the stadium. Sure. Um, I guess we'll we'll have to see. We'll on see. That. I mean, I listen, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I'm not saying I don't think that should be an equation. I, I don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't think, think it should I don't think be McCarthy's job should be on the line. That's, no, I don't think you should judge any coach on one game. So I agree with what you're saying. What I'm saying is I think it, it it's Jerry. Do you agree the Cowboys are a better team this year? Yes, they're a more complete team this year. They're deeper. Um, uh, while maybe not quite as explosive on paper offensively, when you look at the statistics, they're third in the league in points scored. So you can talk about getting rid of Amari Cooper and that, but it's how much credit do you want to give to McCarthy on that? Well, I got to give him credit. I mean, he's the head. I mean, if I'm going to blame him when things go wrong, I got to give him credit as the head coach. Yeah, and that's a very tough division that they're in, too, by the way. It's so. a tough division. They, they're scoring points. People were, including myself, saying, how are they going to replace Amari Cooper? And I'm looking, I'm saying, well, I don't know. I'm looking at points four in the NFL right now. And uh, they're third, 11 points behind the Eagles for the top spot. And and all people asked all offseason was, how are they going to replace Amari Cooper? Well, they replaced him. Yeah, so there you have it. So that's it for okay. our NFL segment. Uh we do need to get into some picks, Emil. We got some accounting to do on that. Uh, before we do that, a word from our sponsors, Bovada Sportsbook. Are you a guy that can predict the future or may have a mean poker face? How about a love for horses or you just know who's going to win the game? Don't just be a profit, make a profit. And you can do that when you open an account at Bovada Sportsbook and Casino today. Whether it's getting down on the gridiron action, wiping out the dealer in a card game, making some change on the race of the ponies, or cashing in on celebrity events, Bovada Casino is the place for you to draw your line. Since 2011, Bovada has been a leader in the online casino industry, spearheaded by their top-of-the-line customer service, easy deposit, secure payouts, and great welcome bonuses. Head over to Bovada now to see what they're offering you to come in and scratch that itch you're having. Click on the link in the description and tell them the Gridiron Stud Show sent you. All right, and we're back. Emil, we've been killing it in the NFL this year. There's just no question about that. I mean, I'm sure there are a thousand handicappers out there that uh, do this for a living that would love to be where we are right now record-wise. Oh, we've, we've killed it. Now, last week— That's again, despite not being on game last week. No, last week, we, you and I were each one and two, okay? So that puts your overall record, which you're speaking of, which is phenomenal. 29 wins, 18 losses. you got a tie in there. And I'm one game behind you, 28 and 19 with a tie. So, yes, we were—for the season, we've been phenomenal. Last week, recapping quick, you went with the Browns. Uh, you know, I don't know what you were thinking. I guess I, I kind of liked the pick. I said when you made it, it made sense to me. That was a winning right. pick, and it was going that way. And then Cleveland, like, forgot to play an entire game. I think they were up 10 nothing in the ball. They were up 10 nothing, and they lost 17-10 at home. And, you know, the funny thing is, had they won that game and got to 7-8, and eight, they'd still be— I'm maybe somewhat on life support, but they'd still be in the playoff race in the AFC. Somewhere in that game, they remembered, we are the Cleveland Browns. What are we doing? They've been doing very Browns-like things the last year and a half. So anyway, yeah, you had the Browns. Good pick for you on the Bengals. Uh, that that was nice. I mean, they made you sweat a little. They were up 22 nothing, and I don't know. They just fell asleep at the switch. They, um, are, they are red hot right now. They're red hot. And then you, you know, I I like this pick when you made it. And uh again, the Dolphins have the wheels falling off. You had the Dolphins minus three and a half. And 
that's a team definitely going in the wrong direction in a lot of different ways. So, well, uh, um, you know, listen, two is in the concussion protocol. Um, and, and you could see the play where this would have happened sure. once again, falling, hitting the back of his head. I, I, Amal, I love Tua. Um, I just think he might be he might be a little too small for what's going on back there. He just gets tossed to the ground a little bit too easily. And so um, it was shown. I, I did see a tweet where after that play, he threw the three interceptions. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I think. Well, I definitely think he was concussed and playing. And again, I keep asking myself, you know, they have all these protocols, right? Mm-hmm. How are they missing them on this guy? I think if I'm the Dolphins, I would have had one person specifically devoted to watching every snap. But here's the thing. You could see it on the replay that his head snapped back off the ground. Yeah, Emil, I don't think he should play another game this year. No, I mean, you know, after that first concussion he had, like you would think, okay, we messed that up. Like you just said, we're going to have just a guy watch this guy, have somebody sit up in the devoted, you know, Whether it's one of our own staff because the NFL isn't necessarily going to pay for another, you know, red hat to be on the sideline. I'd have a member of our staff there. Uh, yeah, like I'm I mean, watching him and only him. That's that's I mean, he's your team. It's hard not to draw the conclusion that, you know, when that happened, everything went south in that game from that. It point did because I can't even explain his last interception. It was mind boggling. So no, there were there was just some, you know, that was a guy that looked like he was having some fog and playing through it. And that was not good. So anyway, that led to your one and two. Um, mine was the Bears and the Bears played a great first half. I think it was 13 10 at the half. And then they went in the locker room and said, we're the Bears and we want the number one pick or something. I don't know. Either that the Bills said, what are we doing messing around with these guys? Yeah, I mean, I'll give some credit since the Bills are one of the best teams in the league. But the Bills went out, put it to them in the second half. So that game ended up 35-13. I took a loss. I had the the Giants plus three and a half against the Vikings. Same logic I've been using. As I said, the Vikings just can't blow teams out. I knew this game would be competitive, and it took a 60-yard field goal uh, at the gun to beat the Giants by three. I had the hook. That was a winner. And then I kind of took a tough loss. I took the Eagles at the time I made the pick. They were getting five and a half against my Cowboys. The score was 37-34 late in that game. The Eagles fumbled deep in their own territory at their own 25-yard line or so, and Dallas kicked a field goal, and... uh, beat me by the hook. So uh, I was one and two. There you go. All right. We're we're up for our week 16 action. You're first in the NFL. So what do you got for us? Okay. We're going to start with a team that is one of these surprise teams. I think this guy's done a great job in New York uh, with the Giants and they're giving five and a half points to the Colts. Okay. The Giants win this game. They're a playoff team. And if you're a Giant fan, you have to be thrilled if this team's in the playoffs after the last couple seasons of what you've watched. I don't see how the Giants don't blow the Colts out in this game. I mean, I watched some the of that Colts game. The Colts are toast, my friend. Yeah. I mean, I reluctantly watched some of that game on Monday night. That was an embarrassment to offensive football. I mean, I, if the Giants don't win this game by double digits, I'll be shocked. Uh, again, I have a little pause here because. The line seems low to me, but then I'm remembering the Giants, because of, I think, the last several seasons, aren't getting a lot of uh, love with the sports books in terms of their lines being inflated. Because to me, this feels like a game that should be seven and a half, and I'm only giving five and a half, but I'm still going to give 
the five and a half, and I'm going to take the Giants to. The God's makers have trust issues with the Giants, but they do, and I, I'm going to take them. I think they they punch their playoff ticket this week. Next, here's a game where the spread actually does make me raise an eyebrow, and I'm going to go with the contrarian point of view here. The Eagles are a six and a half point favorite right now, playing the Saints. This to me should be a double digit spread. Okay, nine and a half, ten, something like that. Uh, the Eagles come off a loss last week in Dallas. I know there's no Jalen Hurts this week, but Minshew has shown to be a really fine backup quarterback. He could probably start, I said to you, off air on 10 teams in this league easily right now. Um, they had no problem scoring points last week, and the Saints offense is not putting 40 on them like Dallas. So again, I say, why is this six and a half? I got no idea, but something's up here. I'm going to take the Saints plus six and a half. I just, it's one of those picks where I feel like maybe the Eagles struggle, maybe they turn it over and they win by three, something like that. But I I just feel like there's something not right with the spread. Mm. You're you're giving me the, hmm, I'm not no, sure. No, I'm like listening. It. I'm working on my listening skills. Yes. You didn't, you didn't give me, that's a nice pick. Uh, I'm going to a game here that is probably, or has a good chance of deciding the NFC South that we were talking about in that Dallas segment. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to grab the Panthers that you you were talking about playing good football, plus three points against the Bucs. Listen, I watched that game you were at with your son's team. And yeah, Tampa Bay pulled it out, but this is not a good Buccaneers team. Their offense is disjointed. Um, they can't consistently move the football. And I, I just think like Carolina's got confidence and I'm going to get three points. I think Carolina wins this game. I thought they would win it outright to begin with. And I, you know, if you're going to give me three, I don't see them getting blown out. So I'll take the Panthers plus three. So says Calamino. So on a rewrap, he's got the Giants. It's five and a half point favorites against the ailing Colts. He doesn't believe the line in the game with the Eagles and the New Orleans Saints. So he's going to grab the points on some suspicious type of dealings and feelings. And he is going to ride the hot hand in the Carolina Panthers against the Bucks team who he adequately described, pulled things out in that Christmas Day game against the Arizona Cardinals. All right, Emil, here's my side of it. Here's how I see things. I told you the evil plan was coming together. I'm going to stick on that same. I'm going to keep that same energy. The Green Bay Packers are starting to come around. They're starting to look like the Packers. Maybe some folks had hoped that they would be. They're on a three-game win streak. Yes, it is not against the best of the best, but I am maybe perhaps a little more impressed than you are with the road win on Christmas Day against the Miami Dolphins. Even prior to the uh, head injury for Tua, the Packers were doing well for themselves. I think that's going to carry over into this home game. There's just something about momentum. The team is feeling good. The town is feeling good. I'm sure Lambeau will be packed, even if it's minus 20. And uh, everything will be working in Green Bay's favor here. And maybe Minnesota's running out of a little bit of juice and steam. They've kind of secured things, so to speak, for themselves. And I don't know how much gusto they're going to come into a game like this with. So I'm going to take the Packers as three-point favorites. Is that what we have there? Yep, three-point favorites. So you're yep. rolling with the pack, huh? Going to roll with the pack. Um, go, pack, go. And now we've got – we're going to head out west at Seattle hosting the New York Jets – the New York Jets get a lot of love this year when they start Mike White at quarterback. You know, I love Mike White. 
he was the quarterback for our state championship team at the university school. Love Mike. This White. is your quarterback bowl. Come this, to think of it, this is my quarterback bowl. Two South Florida guys going here. Obviously, uh, watch Gino grow up. Um, going from Little League to Miramar High School and doing great things and then watching him go through all the trials and tribulations he's had in the NFL was drafted by the very New York Jets. Emil, I think he's going to be super, super motivated for this contest. He's not the kind of guy that will come out and say that openly, but internally there's a fire that burns inside of the guy. He's very competitive. And I don't think he would want to be a part of anything like losing to the Jets and that possibly costing their playoff spot. So we're going to have a highly motivated and prepared quarterback in Geno Smith. I don't know about the Jets right now. They seem a little bit of topsy-turvy with the quarterback situation, having to put Zach Wilson in there, showing that Zach is not going to uh, is not the guy. I don't see him lasting there in New York beyond this year, most definitely next year. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there and I just the Jets aren't playing the best ball right now so them being one point favorites on the road one and a half you got Seattle plus one in the hook now that's crazy to me that the Jets are road favorites in this contest against a team playoff in the playoff um talk yes it's it it is it is crazy I I saw this it almost made it a pick myself I'm gonna take the Seahawks as uh home underdogs and I'm gonna agree with you on the Carolina pick the Carolina Panthers are a very hot football team right now. It makes sense to ride that hot hand. They have, you know, since clearing things out, which included um, their their head coach, uh, they've been a, a really strong team. They've won three out of the last four. Uh, the losses, the two losses that they've had in the last six games have, you know, pretty much been one-score games. So they're a tough football team right now. And Amel, your, your guy, Sam Darnold, is playing pretty good football for them. So... Who would have? And I'm happy to see that. I think you know. I think he just got in a tough situation coming out of college, so I, I'm happy to see. What's that. the tough situation? The New York Jets. Yes. Yes, it's the <laughs> graveyard of NFL quarterbacks in this, especially the ones that have been drafted. So yes, yes, Sam Darnold playing solid ball. Carolina playing solid football right now, and they're against uh, a Tampa Bay team that might be a little bit too giddy, feeling a little bit too well about the game that they won against an ailing, if I could say that. Um, and probably understating it, uh, Cardinals football team. So uh, I like Carolina to stay hot in this game. I think they're the better team in this one. So that's what I'm rolling with. So let us let me lay that back out for everybody. Chad's giving you the Packers at home as a three-point favorite to beat the Vikings and keep their playoff hopes alive. He's got the Seahawks as a home underdog against the Jets traveling clear across the country. Seahawks getting one and a half. And then finally, he agrees with me. We're going to take the Panthers in that game plus three against the Bucks. That's it, brother. Read them and weep. We're back on the winning train this week, folks. So you can take that stuff to the bank. And, uh, you know, we have gotten you straight all year long. We're coming back strong this week, like the picks on both sides. All right, let's slide over to the college football area of things. We are in the bowl season, but there's some other stuff that we need to talk about. Emil, I've got a question for you. What, I mean, listen, we're excited about the college football playoff of course we all wish there were more teams but the four teams that are in there are the teams that are in there we even have a new jack a couple of new jacks in this and so uh, it's nice to see how this is going to unfold however outside of the four teams that are in this which right now is georgia michigan tcu and ohio state what team not in the college football playoff this year would you give the best opportunity to win a college football championship in the next five seasons i've got two I got two that immediately come to mind. I'm not sure I asked for two, but if you want to give us two. I'm going to give you two because I I can't separate them. 
I think LSU has a very good chance. They recruit well. Uh, they've always had talent there. Uh, I think Brian Kelly, you know, he started. I mean, I know the end of the year didn't go the way LSU fans would like, but you know, I think they showed enough promise with a new coach early in the season uh, that they were in a good position going into those last couple of games. They got an upset. I think LSU is definitely going to be a threat moving forward, and I think my Trojans are. I mean, you know, you say what you want, you can hate them, but Lincoln Riley comes out, takes a four and eight team, and goes eleven and two and spits out a Heisman Trophy winner. They're a threat. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, I give the best chance, the best chance, which calls for one team, by the way. I'm going to give that to LSU. I don't know if I mentioned this early in the year. I probably did when we were talking about you doing our college football preview. All three of the last um, coaches for LSU won national championships. And Brian Kelly is a winner. He's amongst the top coaches, new coaches uh, this year that uh, in terms of wins. so. I just think it's a matter of time until a good coach at a program with a history of winning with multiple coaches and being able to recruit at a high level um, puts it all together. So I would give LSU that top spot. And I'm with you. The the the, the only reason uh, I don't put USC there with LSU is just the uncertainty of moving to the Big Ten. I just want to see how USC is going to adapt to that, you know, playing in the Big Ten. How do they play? Um, at you know the tail end of the year in some of the climates sure. that they're going to get. That's, that's definitely yeah. That's but it's hard, you know, like I always say, I I look at a guy like Riley. He's thirty eight years old, right? Sixth year coaching, career record is sixty six and twelve. He spit out three Heisman Trophy winners in six years, three college football playoff berths in six years, and his runner up for the Heisman might win the NFL MVP. The guy's a winner. He's thirty eight years. No old. question. But Emil, can we can we can we admit that? perhaps having to play a Michigan or Ohio State in the second to last game of the year in in at their place could cause some hardships? Oh, absolutely. Sure. I mean, or, not you know, or what would seemingly be in the mind of USC players, a meaningless game against uh, a Purdue or Northwestern at their place in November could turn into a disaster. Listen, uh, that's why I agree that let's see how they how they adjust all i'm telling you is i think he'll adjust them just fine i like everything and not just results oriented i like what i've seen from him in the way he runs his programs things he talks about what's important he he has a way of keeping complacency out and i like that in in a coach like the same way nick saban does maybe not the same tone because he's a little bit more laid back west texas but i i like the way he does that and i think it's just a matter of time before he wins really big because he'll get players there. I just find it interesting that both of us um, declined to name Alabama, who's not in the top four this year as uh, the team that would have. Well, because I think, I think a couple things. One, they've, they've had their run. And I just, I know you and I say this every year, but at some point Saban's got to look at this and say, it's a grind. I want to go do something fun for a while now. So you're thinking he might hang it up. Well, I mean, I don't want to predict it because at some point we're always if we just make predictions every year, he's going to hang it up. One of those years will be right, which doesn't really make our prediction very good. But I feel at some point I'm looking at it as a human being saying, listen, this guy's won everything he can win. It's got to be a grind with his family. I'm sure he has kids and grandkids. Maybe he just wants to do something fun. Like Urban Brady showed something. us that none of that crap matters. Just keep balling. But anyway, if we're keeping score here, 
Um, we picked the number 17 and the number 10 team in the country over <laughs> over the Alabama Crimson Tide. We are not afraid to go out on a limb and take chances on our you know predictions on this show. Just understand that. And Alabama would be too easy, right? Okay, we picked Alabama. They only won seven with the guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sure, if we're going with the status quo. But I'm with you, Amol. They, the team and the coach look a little tired. I wouldn't. You know, tough to say, considering what they just did recruiting-wise uh, after the early signing date. It was business as usual. Well, but I know, but was talent their problem this year? I mean... No, no, it wasn't. It's just it seems things seem probably rolling back a little bit, and it's exacerbated by the fact that there's some others accelerating rather hard, which is inevitable. So um, that's that on that. You had a quick question that you wanted to ask me. Yeah, you know, and th- this is more for me. I, you know, I consider myself, like everybody else, a fan. And I and I, I guess I don't understand other fans why they have such difficulty and sometimes animosity in not understanding top guys who are going to be first and second round picks opting out of playing in what is a meaningless bowl game most of the time. And in other words, I'll put myself out there and say, okay, USC has a couple kids, one being our guard, Andrew Voorhees, who's probably going to be a first round pick, not playing in the Cotton Bowl. I have no problem with that. I mean. USC wins the game. I want them to win, but they get the Cotton Bowl trophy. It's not for a championship. So why do? Am I missing something? Explain this to me. You, 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 you've been in this sport a long time. Why do fans struggle with that? You want my honest answer? Sure. Fans don't care about those players. That's just the god honest truth. They don't really care about those players. They care about what those players can do in the uniform of their favorite team. I'm going to give you case in point um, and not anything specific, but you would have a fan base that would cheer a player coming back. I will tell you, I'm going to give you a prime example. And it, you know, obviously involves um, it's going to seem personal, but I would dare say if were he alive, if Aaron Hernandez were to be invited back to a Florida Gators football game and brought out at halftime or before the game, he would be cheered. Um, and we all know what he uh, did or was accused and convicted of doing, right? Right. He would be cheered. Because it, because he won something for them. Because he was a part of a championship team, uh, a high performer um, during the really good times. If you were to bring Marco Wilson out in front of the Florida Gator fans before or at halftime or in the same situation, and he had not come anywhere close to doing anything like that in his personal life. He would be booed incessantly um, at a Florida Gators football game. And so they don't really care much about the personal life or what's going on with those players, unless you were um, a high performer or you were a part of a championship and made them feel good. Fans care about how a player and the teams made you feel. And that's really all that. It yeah, brought. I mean, it's probably it's it's probably something, you know, I can't say I disagree with your answer. But that's, it. that's that is what it is. So what a player aspires to do beyond playing in the team's colors is of I don't want to say little consequence. Um, it matters less, a whole lot less to those fans there than um, what they're going to do in those colors. So you signed up to play football in their mind. You signed up to play football for the, um, you know, for Go State, and Go State has a game, you should be playing for Go State. And the fact that you- Well, you know, the analogy I've tried to draw to people that, you know, have said this to me, 
you know, I, I try to make it easy for them to understand in their own lives. So I say, okay, you you work for a company and it's getting towards the end of the year. And a lot of these larger companies, you got to do continuing education things that they, they want you to do for HR, you know, sit, sit through a 30 minute online course about diversity and then answer the questions to prove that you did the course so we can check the box for each employee. Okay. You gave them notice on uh, January 3rd, you're starting a new job with a new company. Okay. Are you going to sit there and do that course today? You are not. Why? It's doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. That's right. You're done, right? You got doesn't a new matter. job. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme. You don't care yeah. on January 3rd, HR is going to look for you to tell you you didn't do your diversity course. You're not going to be there. Yeah, that's that's you applying logic to a situation where logic is never a part of the equation. There is no logic involved in fandom, especially fandom as it relates to college football. It is completely out of the window. And I will say this, Amo, that applies to people who are otherwise very logical in their normal lives. When it comes to their college football team, they are not logical. So yes, uh, you are the quarterback or the cornerback or the running back of my college football team. And we want to beat Oklahoma in this bowl game because that's what we need to do. And everyone who signed up should play it. Don't care about you trying to take care of your family, your life. That has nothing to do with Go State's agenda. And that's really Speaking just- Speaking of, listen, there's people in Norman, Oklahoma with voodoo dolls, okay, of, mm -hmm. of Khalib Williams putting pins in them, okay? I'm sure. I'm sure. Now, uh, I guarantee you, if he came out next week after the bowl game and said, you know what? This LA thing just wasn't for me. I really miss being in the <laughs> Southwest. I'm, I want to transfer back to Oklahoma. They'd be buying jerseys. And Amal, is it not clear that he made the right decision? Uh, if you're him, you can't complain, can you? Yeah, this it's quite clear that the kid made the right decision. Had he stayed in Oklahoma, what would they be? Maybe one or two games better? Um, well, he said it best this week. He came out, and there's a classic example. He said, listen, people applied a lot of different things to the, my motivation for leaving. And he said it was simple. I had a, a really tight bond with the coach that recruited me. Yep. I understood his offense, and I didn't want to play in another offense. That's why, basically, I went to play for him, and I wanted to go with him. He said that nothing. It's just so hard for people to understand, Emil, the biggest and the toughest and the worst thing that happens to these college football players are regime changes. And another guy comes in, and he has a totally different way of doing things. And I'm not just talking about what he wants to run on the field, but just overall and in general. And these players are recruited by actual people. As much as you tell them, pick the institution, not the coach, because the coach won't be there. They are recruited and have conversations with coaches at all hours of the day. It's not the school sending them a happy birthday or a Merry Christmas or a Happy New Year. It's the coach. And there's those late night conversations about all what you want to do with your life. So they are bonded with a person. And when that person leaves and goes elsewhere, yeah, and you have the ability to pick up and go with that person, you're going to do it. You know, I mean, wives move clear cross country or out of the or out of the country to be with their husbands because the job moved them. So, you know, this is what it is. And uh, fans really just need to get over it. Bowl opt-outs are going to be a thing. It's not coming. It's The toothpaste is not going back in the tube. You're going to see more and more of these. And it won't just be for, you know, for um, the meaningless games. You're going to get opt-outs of these college football playoffs down the road. That's At just some point, happen. sure. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, again, you have to understand 
you got to look at it, try to look at it, put yourself in, in the position of, of the player and not the fan. So that that's the hard yeah, thing. Tough. Like, good, yeah. good luck with that. I will say this. You know what? You know, squads, uh, you know, these some of these teams, you want to put a collective together. You want to do some NIL stuff. Stop putting all the money and chasing it after 17 and 18 year olds. Why don't you put some money together to offer some protection to, to these players that you really want to play in these bowl games? How about yeah. that? You know, you can induce them with some money because this is how these guys are going to take care of their family. And that's going to be a number one when it comes down to the end of the year. And and for some of these, I'm just annoyed because, man, they, yeah, I came here and they want to have these bowl games. But, man, who's really, whose idea was this bowl game for me to play in a pool and weed eater bowl? Who am I satisfying here? (laughs) Well, I mean, there's 130 division, 31, 131. Division one teams and 86 are in a bowl game. So really, how meaningful are they? Yeah, I'm not putting my career and my livelihood on the line to go play in the potato bowl. I'm sorry. And too bad that you feel the way that you do. Well, I got one more for you before we do some uh, bowl bookkeeping and get out of here for the new year. Okay, you with me? I'm the NIL is not going anywhere, right? We can agree on that. It looks like it's oh, here. Oh, no, to- baby, that's here to stay. That's here to stay. Would you be for... Uh, uh, some sort of rule being put in place that if a player transfers from an institution that and the transfer isn't precipitated by what we just talked about, a coaching change, that that player then needs to sit out a year like the old rule where you transfer, you sat out a year. So in other words, if your coach leaves, you can freely move without sitting out because of regime change. But no regime change, you got to sit out a year. Um, I'd say, yeah. You know, I would definitely say yes, because right now that's that to me just on experience is the biggest hardship that a player in general will uh, endure as a college football player. And the freeness and willingness for coaches to hop around jobs, um, you know, take a look at the situation that happened with, you know, Louisville this year. This the freeness at which these coaches move. uh, Players should have that same freedom. Uh, I do not like just how how many of these kids are so willing to jump in the portal and hurt themselves and then just kind of make a bit of a circus out of college football. Like you almost need to a cheat sheet to just kind of remember where players are. The movement around is uh, a little bit too much. So, yeah, that would seem like a nice um guardrail to put on this. I thing think it's a needed rule, to be honest with you. I, I I think if you're going to allow the NIL which, you know, it can't turn into a free agency. Uh, yeah, it might stop some of the inducements, don't you think? Yes. I mean, I think if you had the year, then at least, you know, a kid's going to transfer on a coaching change. That's fine because let's let's put them on, on equal footing. If a coach can leave whenever he wants to, then the players that went there with the coach should be able to leave freely too. So I'm fine with that. But then I taking a step back and saying, okay, that's in place. If I'm just leaving and the coach didn't change, even if I have a good reason for the better of the the larger good of the game, I think you need that year sitting out to stop any inducement with money. Yes. You need to stop the inducements. you have to offer, you have to provide some kind of deterrent here. Um, And then, you know what, for the player, if it's the situation's that bad, it was so toxic for you. You probably need it. You probably need a year to decompress when you go to this. New oh, place. yes. Like if it's a toxic situation, it wouldn't be bad for you anyway. You can go. You can practice. You just can't play for a year. You can yeah. Go, sit, you know, figure things out. Get your college football, um, 
experience together, you know, go to classes, uh, figure the whole rest of that out. And then once you've got that figured out, you might uh, fear better when you actually do get on the field. Because for some of these guys, that's the problem. And I think if they don't somehow uh, migrate to some sort of rule similar to this or something to stop what's going on, I think eventually the sport will be completely unrecognizable. It'll be what we've jokingly called AAA football. Yeah, we need deterrence, man. We've got to have it. And there's going to be a ton of kids, Emil. I mean, a lot of kids that are going to get left in that portal this year. Well, the last three years, I mean, what was the number? 19,000 entered the portal over a three-year span? It's insane. And it just uh, this numbers-wise, there's just no way all these other kids are going to you know, find a spot. And the, and, and the bigger problem, Emil, is it's really hurting high school recruiting. It really well, is. Sure, because now, you know, I've said, we were talking about this at dinner with a, a couple people the other night, matter of fact. And, and they made that point. And I said, sure. I said, because you're five and four star using the, the system that we have right now, those kids will get recruited. That's not the problem. When you get the kids that are fringe three stars, even two stars that school would take a chance on before because they'd see something like, hey, we can develop this kid. You know, it might take us a couple of years, but there's something there. Now they look and they say, wait, we're not going to give that scholarship out. We can just hop in the portal and grab a kid that's been in a program for a year or two already has some strength training at the college level and is more of a college body. And it's easier to, you know, it's a quicker fix. Exactly. The mid-majors and the, you know, FCS schools are getting to a point where they will sit there and wait for the four and five stars that crap out at one of these upper tier programs to fall back down to them. And they'll leave scholarships open for the portal. And whereas in before they would use those on high school. Well, and and, and conversely, the opposite happens too. They become a a feeder system for the big schools. So now the kids that are succeeding at the mid-majors, okay, and maybe their first two years that that school developed the kid at Kent State, I'll use them as an example, or Toledo, okay? Mm -hmm. Then you get the USC sitting there and going, eh, we have a couple scholarships. I'm not going to go get this fringy three-star kid at USC. I'll just go down to a mid-major. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. That's something that happens down here in South Florida with the high schools. Um, Some of the smaller private schools uh, will get a freshman in there that just lights it up or a sophomore that does really, really well. And now he's on the radar and he gets plucked by the bigger schools. So it would stand a reason that the same thing is going to happen. Yeah, it's just so, so, I mean, the whole thing's broken. I think we need some guardrails and, uh, you answered it kind of the way I thought you would, but I, I was curious if you're going to throw me a head fake there and say, "Nah, I'd let them go." <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not on that train. I'm, I'm, a, I'm from the old school, like we both are. So yes, it is I, what we, it is. We got to hop into these college football picks before we wish everyone a happy new year. I got some bookkeeping here. So college football, he wants to talk about these folks because again, I told everybody before we did our bowl picks, this guy kills the bowl games. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you concentrate better, but Chad's already given his 10 picks out. Three of them are already in the bank. They're winners. He had Wake Forest, winner, Duke, winner, Kansas. We can talk about that when we get to mine. How uh, luck, but you cashed the ticket, winner. So he's 3 and 0. Here's his remaining picks. Okay. Right now, he has Minnesota going as a seven-point favorite when he gave the pick. Okay. And as we're recording the show, they're at halftime. Minnesota is up 14-7. Yes. That that line ended up at 10 and a half. But when you gave it out, if everybody listened, they got it at seven. Okay. Your next pick, you came in with the Purdue Boilermakers. Okay. 
Purdue was getting 10 and a half. I got to see where that line is now. I'm very curious. I think it's around the same, if I'm not mistaken. Did it stay the same? Purdue is, is 14 and a half. Holy smokes. They're playing LSU on Monday on uh, what we're going to celebrate as the, uh, for we're not, none of us will be working. That's our New Year's Day celebration on Monday the 2nd. He's got Purdue plus 10 and a half. If you want to grab him now out there, you get 14 and a half. Then he went to the Rose Bowl. And for some reason, he just doesn't believe in the Penn State Nittany Lions. He grabbed <laughs> Utah. So here minus, you say that's hilarious. Anybody who listens to the show knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's got Utah minus three. They're down to two and a half. So that, that stayed pretty firm there. Um, then you grabbed Kansas State plus three and a half. Kansas State's now getting six and a half against Alabama. Apparently, somebody thinks Alabama's going to be motivated, but uh, I'm Everyone with you in on Tuscaloosa, that one. baby. Everyone in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Uh, then he's going against my Trojans. He's getting Tulane plus one and a half, and that's sitting still right there at one and a half. Odd that that line's not moving, isn't it? It is odd that it isn't moving. I think there's. I think people are trying to figure out what we're trying. What we, you know, we're going with. This is not a motivated USC team in this game, and I think there's probably two sides to the equation, and people are trying to figure out what USC shows up. Um, then we go, he, he grabbed Tennessee plus six and a half against Clemson. I'm trying to find that one as we're on air here. You got to know, oh, that's down to five and a half now. So that line's kind of stayed in that vicinity. He's got the, the vowels plus six and a half. That seems like a very odd line because Tennessee's got a good backup quarterback. So I, I don't quite get that one. Um, and then finally he's grabbing in the national semifinal and this line has stayed tight right where he gave it out at he's got tcu plus seven and a half against michigan so that's the remainder of uh chad's picks like i said he's three and oh so far so uh yeah and i'm not gonna uh you know i'm not i'm not gonna run back through those uh you know anyone's welcome to head back to that bold preview show and hear my logic on all of it those are the picks baby let's ride so far, I'm two and two. I had Fresno State as a winner, Toledo a tough loss for me. I had Air Force as as an easy. I said they would win outright against Baylor. They were getting points. That was a win. And then I took a very tough loss on the other side of Chad's Kansas pick. I had Arkansas the other day, and uh, that was that was a tough loss. Man. Arkansas Mine. just forgot to play a fourth quarter. That's yeah, just... they were up 18 and they just fell asleep. So I'm too. Well, I will say this though, like Kansas did everything in their power in the first half to give the game away. Sure, so sure. I mean, you, there. yeah, 55, 53. I mean, listen, I knew what I was getting into taking that. So I got what I deserved. Um, today, I also have Minnesota. So like Chad, I gave them out at seven. Uh, in this game later today, I've got Florida State. I gave them out as a seven and a half point favorite against Oklahoma. That, that one's below nine and a half. Yeah, so, uh, that's definitely ballooned up. People are agreeing with you on that. So then uh, I went down to a, a game that interests me just because I kind of a closet pit supporter. If I have a Pennsylvania team I like, I've, I've always liked Pitt, but I went against them in this game. I took uh, our little brothers from across town, UCLA, giving six and a half to Pitt, and that lines up to seven and a half. I think UCLA wants this 10 win season. Uh, they have a couple seniors that, uh, you know, are leaving that program. I think they're going to want to go out on a high note. So I like UCLA. Then in the uh, game tomorrow night, I think it's the Gator Bowl, right? Uh, I I think this is a really nice matchup. I took South Carolina plus three against Notre Dame. It's up to three and a half. Uh, South Carolina finished the season on fire, and I'm just not sure 
how motivated Notre Dame is in this spot. We're going to find out if, if Marcus Freeman can get his team up for this game. I'm going to be impressed. I would agree with you there. Uh, then I go to the semifinal and I grabbed Ohio State plus six and a half against Georgia. It's still sitting there at six and a half. Uh, I just think that's Ohio a very State, interesting game to me. Just very really interesting. Yeah, I mean, Ohio me, State's going to come in here with their hair on fire, and I just want to see how Georgia responds to that. And I think the key to the game, and you know, it is in a lot of these big games, is Ohio State's got to handle the line of scrimmage. You know, what's happened to them the last couple of years against Michigan is, you know, they've gotten beaten up a little bit in those games, and it really shouldn't happen. They've got the athletes, so I think that you know they've got to be. I think strong. they've gotten a little more finesse over the last couple. Yeah. Of years. Well, they're gonna, a little bit of you know, physicality. That's not what George is going to do. We know that George is going to, you know, George is going to strap it on and come right at them, and that's going to be the this, you know, how this game goes. And I, but I just feel that six and a half is a, a a fat number. I think they're being disrespected. So I obviously grab them. And finally, which will surprise some of our more loyal listeners, I went against my Trojans with Chad. I took Tulane plus one and a half. Um, I, I'm telling you, I'm rooting against myself, but. That doesn't matter because my brain picks Tulane. I just don't see USC being incredibly motivated in this game. They have some guys sitting out for the draft. I just, I don't feel it. Yeah, the line for Tulane is insane. Uh, if I could hit you with a little rhyme there. So, yes. yeah, who would have ever thought that that would be the number? So don't get tricked out there, folks. We have warned you. So, uh, listen, a lot of great stuff to get ready for. Action-packed weekend on the NFL gridiron as they try to sort out Uh, who's going to be in the final tournament. That's going to be some fun. Plus, we've got our picks on that, as well as these college bowl games as the brunt of what we predicted in our our college football bowl game preview is coming at you right this moment over the next few days here. So I hope you guys are down on the action and you keep a close eye on things. That's going to make things very, very interesting. Well, Amo, we kicked this thing off and said 47 shows this year. I'm quite proud about that. I think that's the most we've ever done in this. We've been at this thing for a minute. So I'm very happy about that. And I'm extremely excited about what's to come with this show. We want to thank all the loyal listeners that have jumped on here and subscribed and listened to our all of our shows throughout the year to all of the newbies that have jumped on here. Hey, hop on the train, subscribe, be a part of this thing. Cause I guarantee you in 2023, this thing is really, really going to grow. And you can tell everyone you were here in the beginning, man, before we were stars and started. Thank wearing you. Thanks for every, I appreciate everybody listening to us. We have a lot of fun doing the show. We hope you guys enjoy listening as much and have as much fun listening as we do doing it. And I want to wish you all a very safe, Happy New Year. Be careful if you're going out on uh, Saturday night. Uh, it, it is amateur hour, so you know, be careful. Yeah, New Year's is on a Saturday night, so that's a double whammy there for you. So, yes, be careful out there. And uh, like Amel said, I am totally appreciative of everyone that takes the time out to listen to our show. And so um, we definitely want to wish you all a very happy, happy New Year. And we're looking forward to jumping back on with you guys in 2023 as we move full steam ahead. Thank you all for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll see you guys in 2023.